All right, so I understand that this might sound like this setup for a corny joke, but what do teaching and running long distances have in common? Today, I am launching a mini series about teachers who run. I'm your host, Celeste Kirsch, and we are teaching tomorrow. If you follow me on Instagram, I've shared with you that I've been selected to be part of Team TCS Teachers and run the New York City Marathon. When I was submitting my responses for the contest that put me on this team, I had to stop to pause and consider how my identity as a teacher influences my identity as a runner. What if the reason why I'm a teacher and the reason why I am a runner spring from the same source? In this mini-series of episodes leading up to the New York City Marathon on November 3rd, I'm going to talk to teachers who run and how their running and teaching selves overlap. My goal is to talk to people whose experiences are intriguing, universal, and profoundly moving so that even if you're not a runner or not in education, you can hear yourself in their stories. And that brings me to my first guest. Kayla Marino is not only a deeply impressive and well-decorated ultra runner, but she's also a teacher to young people in Queens, New York. Kayla won the Great New York Running Exposition 100 Mile Race in 2012. That's like 161 kilometers or 3.8 back-to-back marathons. She also came in second overall at the 50K Staten Island Trail Festival in 2014 and has placed top in her age category for many other races. In other words, she can run far and she can run fast. But more than just being a regular on the podium, Kayla balances her running life with her profession in the classroom and uses her time running as fuel for her passion helping young people fulfill their potential. In this conversation, we talk about running as a tool for self-reflection, the similarities between running your first marathon and your first year in the classroom, how to work through big setbacks, and the importance of taking on huge, audacious goals in our lives. I so loved getting to connect with Kayla about two things that I personally love, and I hope that this resonates with you as well. Uh, So welcome to the podcast, Kayla. I'm so excited that we finally have a time that we can sit down together. Uh, Why don't you start just by telling everyone who you are, where you're from, and what you do? (laughs) Thank you for having me. It's great to be on here. Um, So I am, my name is Kayla Marino, and I was born in Mexico City but I was raised in Arizona, Mesa, Arizona. And um, I have been in New York teaching um, elementary school for the last 15 years or so. So um, specifically I was doing, I was teaching fourth, fifth grade, fourth graders, um, only math and science, but um, I'm making a change next year. I'll be teaching second graders. So the little ones. (laughs) <laughs> and you teach them everything in second grade. So you do all their subjects. Yes, I'll be doing everything. Mm-hmm. Amazing. You become so much a school mom, the lower you go down in the ages. <laughs> it's true. Like 28 ever, kids. Oh, it's so good. Have you ever had a student actually call you mom before? Several times, yeah. Especially <laughs> when I taught first graders. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, I'm guilty of calling. I called one of my male teachers mom once, which is a <laughs> Um, so the reason why I wanted to have you on the show is you're a teacher, but you're also a runner. Um, and I'm running the New York City Marathon with you. You're going to be, you know, a little oh. bit further ahead in the pack because okay. you're pacing this year. That's your plan, right? Yes, I'm pacing the 330 group. 
So yes. it's about eight minute pace per mile. Yeah, no yeah. big deal. That's like <laughs> amazing. Um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your journey as a runner and also your practice as a teacher, because I think that those two things are so interestingly woven together. Um, tell me a little bit about how do you see running as like a thing that you do in your life, a practice? How does that influence your role as a teacher? Um, you're right about them being interwoven. I do a lot of reflecting during my running. So as a teacher, after you teach, you have to reflect on what happened during the day, whether it was something that went really well or something that didn't work at all. Um, usually when you go running, when I go running, I reflect on how do I do this lesson a little bit better? Or I think about the things that worked and um, how can I make it better next time? Or if there was a problem with the student, I try to think of different options of how I can solve the problem with the student or even with the parents. So I think running for me is a way to escape from the stress, but also to reflect on how do I become a better teacher as well. Do you go with that um, question in your mind? Like, do you think about your run and you're like, okay, I'm going to run 10 miles today. I really want to think about Johnny and like the thing that he did today. And I'm going to use that time. Or do you just find that you get into a groove and all of a sudden you start just naturally reflecting? It's the latter. It's natural reflection. Um, usually I don't have anything planned in my head. Like this is what I'm going to think about while I'm running. <laughs> um, I think about what do I need to do? I need to cover this. I think about my route. I think about um, the pace and my goal as a runner, but then naturally your mind goes different places when you're running. So mm -hmm. it just goes straight into my work, into what I've done during the day, my reflection, yeah. Yeah, sometimes I find like once I actually have like started the run and I'm like warmed up, I'm like surprised at the things that like my brain naturally starts thinking mm -hmm. about. And like, I sometimes have like a problem that I'm trying to work through like at my desk or with a colleague and we're like really trying to muddle through it. And then all of a sudden on the run, once I've had like time away from the problem, all these like interesting solutions. Solutions. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly what happens whenever I go running. Um, I, I can think of possible answers when I'm thinking about the problem, but when I'm away from it, I think that's when all these possibilities come up. So mm -hmm. it's like, so, yeah, I see it as a, great way to solve problems is uh, to go on a run and reflect. And do you see your role as a teacher influencing your career as a runner? Because you are a very good runner. You're a very fast runner, <laughs> you run very far. But do you see like the discipline, the philosophy, like the world of you as a teacher coming into your career as a runner? Oh, of course. I mean, you have to have goals to be a good teacher. You have to have you have to know each child and you have to know how much do you need to push them to mm. become better. So it's kind of like being a coach as well, mm. but individually for every student, also as a whole class, where do I want to take my class next? Um, also, you have to be a well-planned person to be a good teacher. So whenever you're, um, when I'm attempting a race, I have to know exactly where I want to go and what goal I want to hit. Um, and that's basically what has to happen in the classroom as well. Um, if there is a student who I know has been struggling, but I want him to go a different way or take a different route, I have to kind of set up the paces or the, the obstacles and clear them for them before they run into them and mm -hmm. they struggle too much for it. I love that. I love thinking about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, one of the things that I think about often is the idea of growth mindset and like that just getting a little bit better after each run. Like you're not like, for example, like you're, you're much faster than I am, but like one day I want to run Boston and then mm-hmm. like right now, like my marathons are like 4.30 ish. So like really average, but like to get there, like to get my students to like a place of greatness, it's just like little chipping away at something like little bit by little bit. And it's like, gentle and you have to be careful and you don't want to injure them you don't want to yeah. go too hard too fast um yeah i love how you said that let's talk a little bit about your your students so you said before uh that teaching kids by example is extremely powerful um and you have a lot of different kinds of ways that you help your students run like you actually have programs that you've inspired like young people in running with mm-hmm. um what have you seen your students gain by learning how to run um, I think particularly this year or it, at this new school, cause I switched schools. I was teaching in the Bronx um, and I switched to Queens. Um, my students there are not exactly the best at running or had ever really done it. So it's completely new and to see the growth in their confidence in running or just being able to complete a certain distance was pretty amazing. Um, and also the parents have said so many things about how much the kids have changed in the classroom as well, how, how it has helped them become better at um, not only athletes, but also students. So I think what I see is the improvement as a person, mm-hmm. not only as a runner, which is, I think is phenomenal. So I, I love seeing their confidence grow each time. But first they're kind of shy and very um, cautious but by the end, they're just like, they just go for it. <laughs> it's great. What advice do you have for teachers who want to start up a running club for young people? Like you've done this in different contexts before, but what are some tips that other teachers can apply to their own contexts? I think starting small is not a big, it's not a big deal. I think I started with maybe 10 people, 10 kids, and I ended up with 50 some at the end. Uh, so it's just kind of planting that seed of, this is good, this is fun, and making it fun, making it fun for them. And you as a person, making it as an example, like this year, I think more than any year, most of the kids Googled me. <laughs> so they saw that I ran 100 miles or 50 miles, and they were just amazed, which I never see it as anything as a big deal. I just think, oh, well, I just like to go around mountains, and sometimes that takes 100 miles to get through them, you know, but they were, they were on it. They were like, we Googled you. We know who you are. (laughs) So, um, yeah, so it's, it's fun to, to inspire little ones, I think. And other than, like, obviously students Googling you, do you share your running journey with your students in different times or different contexts? A lot of my work problems have to do with the distances that I run, so, or I have done. Uh, so they know I'm a runner. Um, I put it out there from the very beginning. I say one of my biggest talent, my best talents is I'm a runner. I started from soccer. So in order to connect with some kids, because I have kids who struggle with school because they think they can be a great soccer player one day and they just think that school is not important but they tell them you know I also love the sport I played it but then I also did well in school and you can do both so with that I mean just whenever I need reference to it I use it whether it has to do with a math problem worth problem or just a fun activity or just to challenge them to 
become better athletes because I also coach in the morning. I coach a group of kids. And so when they're struggling and they're just kind of not motivated anymore, I tell them about how this morning I actually went on a 10-mile run. So (laughs) you can do a mile, you can do it, (laughs) that type of thing. I think young people love it when they hear any kind of fact about their teacher's life. Like they're, they soak that stuff up. And especially when it's like positive and things that are just naturally inspiring, like you running 50K races. I think children really need to know those kinds of things about our life. Makes us real people. Um, So you're injured right now, um, but I'm curious how you fit your running into your day because a lot of teachers spend so many extra hours doing their teaching like you obviously run the classroom from nine ish to like three ish but then there's meetings and there's planning and there's marking and there's just it takes up a lot of time um and then when you're running for like you're training for a big 100 mile race or 50k <laughs> race you're squeezing in runs like in the morning and in the afternoon so how do you balance all that how do you make sure that you're still having time to be with your partner and be with your family and eating? Like, what what does your day look like? Well, I think you have to prioritize. um, And that's where it comes in. You know, like, if I'm really focused on training, uh, that's my priority after, I mean, well, teaching, obviously, but then after (laughs) that, it will be, I mean, I see them as the same thing to me. Like, I think the one what works better if I, if I drop the ball on one, then the other one kind of suffers a little bit. I think I've been struggling as a teacher. And I think that's why now that I'm talking about it is because I haven't had that time to go out and reflect and think like I usually do. So, um, I think they kind of complement each other. Um, so I think for me is I just have a plan. I know that I need to hit 10 miles every day to be able to do well. And I know that when I don't, it just is not fun to run. Like uh, I paced the marathon last year and I feel like I struggled, even though it should have been something that's super easy. It was just not as fun. So I know that for a fact that if I don't put in the miles, I just won't do well. So I usually have a plan about how many miles I have to do. And usually I wake up at 4.30. I know, well, most teachers are morning people, right? I mean, I am. No, I, I think so when your day starts that early, but yeah, 4.30 is like around when I'm waking up too. So that's... Yeah. So 4.30, I go out on a run around five, get back by six, 6.30, and then um, just get everything ready for the day. And I'm at school around 7.45, school starts at 8.15, and, and then I stay after usually kind of finishing up things. I try not to bring work to, uh, to, uh, sorry, I try not to bring work home. So I try to get everything done when I'm at work. Um, so that when I come back, I can just focus on the things that I have to do at home. And actually, because you have such a, you know, fulsome running life, and you would then say, like, I, I really cannot take this work home, because I'm going to get home, and I just need to eat dinner, and then like, go to bed after I've done my run post school, that actually probably makes you a more balanced teacher, I think, like when you have something that's pushing against the walls, you're going to say, no, I need to finish this email and then leave. Whereas when I was like a first and second year teacher, I remember Mm -hmm. just like, there was no reason why I shouldn't be in my classroom until 6pm each night. There was nothing stopping that. Yeah, or working till midnight doing lessons, which I'm like, why did I do that? (laughs) Yeah, why did I do that? I think like when you have a big goal that you're working on, or like sometimes I even think when people have a child, like I have a toddler and I remember people saying like, how do you actually 
have time to do all the things now that you have a kid. I'm like, I just do less things and I do it better. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I, I'm more efficient and I don't take it home as much. Yeah. I think that's key. Just knowing that you can do everything and you, you, it's okay to let go at a certain point. Um, um, I don't know. I, I also get involved a lot with the community. So afterwards I sometimes may have like some kind of event that I have to attend for New York Roadrunners. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I haven't been lately, but I, I was before. So hopefully once it starts again, I will feel a little bit more uh, involved in the community again. Cause right now I haven't really done much, but so yeah. I want to go back to something you said about how it was actually hard for you to run uh, the New York City Marathon last year. Was it? Mm-hmm. That's okay. Weirdly comforting because I had this story about okay when you are somebody who, for example, goes to the Boston Marathon, starts at the finish line, runs all the way oh. to the start, <laughs> and then thinks, okay, now I'm going to do the Boston Marathon again with everybody who's running it. In my head, I'm like, marathons must be so easy for you, like. I find, (laughs) yeah, okay, okay, so let's talk about, like, just that perspective, because I, I mean, obviously, like, I'm not running 50Ks, like, I've only done two marathons before, but they are, like, so humbling, they're so difficult, it's, like, the hardest thing other than childbirth that I've ever done, (laughs) but, like, once you're running ultras, do marathons just become, like, no big deal, yeah, tell me about that, like, that's insane, like, you're running a marathon, and by, like, kilometer 32, you're just, like, no big deal. I'm feeling great. Uh, yeah, they do. They become training runs because when you're training for a 50K, you have to do back-to-back long runs. And that means like a 20-miler one day and a 20-miler the next day or a 25-miler one day and 15 miles the following day. So, yeah, they do become – in fact, most of the marathons that I ran were in training for a 50K. Yeah. So there was a year maybe that I've been – running a ton of road marathons and they were all just so I could actually race my hundred miler or I did an Ironman in 2012 and I felt like um, none of the running really was paying off so I ended up just doing mostly cycling and when I ran it was just my race my training for for the actual 100 mile Leadville I think that was the one that I was training for so so yeah so um I also was doing across the country attempt trying to run from California all the way back to New York city. And for that, I made it, made sure that I was running 20 miles a day. So I would do 10 in the morning, 10 at night. And sometimes when I was not too optimistic in the morning, I would just do the full 20 miles after work. So, I mean, and of course people are always like, well, why are you running it so fast? Eight minute miles is fast, but I'm like, I'm on my time schedule. I need to get to bed by like nine o'clock and get everything done again. You know, it was, it was, it's a lot of discipline. You have to really be disciplined and say, you know what, I got to go to bed. It's nine o'clock. If I don't, I will be so exhausted the following day. So, so yeah. yeah, So once you are training for a much longer distance, you just know that 20 miles is just a piece of cake. Yeah. It's like, it's all about perspective. I feel like I am like a student in grade seven, like struggling to like finish a book. And you're like a university student who like literally can like read a book in a day and be like, "Eh, it's not that big of a deal. Like it's all just about the volume and perspective and just keeping at something for a long time. Yeah, especially. And I mean, I talk to a lot of different, a range of runners, uh, 5Kers who, I mean, to them, that's an accomplishment, you know? 
And for you, for us, it's like, oh, that's like a nice, easy jog, just a short run. Mm -hmm. But when it is something that that's a huge accomplishment for someone, I always just say, well, that's amazing. I'm so glad that you're able to do that. You know, I mean, you have to give them every person has their own different milestone. And for (laughs) me, it's just a little bit longer. Yeah. So when you're pacing for the New York City Marathon at 3.30 and like everyone in your little pacing pack is struggling, you're not like turning to them and saying, this is nothing. I'm going to run of this backwards. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Very kind of you. Um, um, tell me about that journey that you were setting out to do to run across the USA. Oh my, that was probably the most interesting, difficult and uh, humbling experience. Um, I will have to say that I had amazing friends who helped a lot with it, with the journey itself, but um, it's a lot about you and what you want. And I was so hungry for that goal. I wanted it so bad that I did everything that I could to make sure that I was able to do it. Mm. Um, So I woke up at four o'clock and ran 10 miles before work. And right after work, I worked hard and got everything done and got home just to get my shoes back on and get out and run again. Um, so I think I'm, I'm also the oldest child and I feel like for me, I'm very competitive. <laughs> <laughs> now with other people actually and running yeah. for me with myself and I, I know my limit and I think I push the limit every time. And, um, so there's a lot of running involved, obviously. So I ran 20 miles a day. I slept and I, I mean, I was in bed by nine, waking up early in the morning. Um, I also feel like my diet changed a lot. Um, and I don't know, it, it was, it was a good experience. I, I enjoyed it. I started running in July which most people think is crazy, but as a teacher, you can't take a month off in the middle of the year. So school ends June 28th. I was on the road uh, on a plane, the 30th, probably June 30th. And I started running July 1st. So yeah, we had an RV and a group of people who helped me through the first few hundred miles. (laughs) Um, My goal was to run 50 miles a day. Um, at some point I fell behind, so I ended up doing 55 miles a day. But to me, like, I think about these things and I think, oh, how come I, this is such a struggle to run eight miles now, you know, when I was running 55 miles a day, this should not be, but you know, you have to go step by step, little by little. Yeah. And how long did it, did you complete it? Like, did you run no. coast to coast? Okay. So how no, far did you get? What happened? I got to Arizona. I had rolled an ankle prior, like maybe like day three or something. And I was like, well, it'll be okay. So I continued running when it, and it just got worse and worse. And it just got to the point where I was like, okay, this is unbearable. My shoe doesn't even fit. Mm. <laughs> and I mean, my foot doesn't even fit in the shoe anymore. And it just, <sighs> it was just. Yeah, it kind of fell apart. <laughs> yeah. But, but I'm, I'm actually hoping that soon I will try to do that as well. Just because I know what it takes and I know that I can do it. And I kind of had put it out there that I want to do it. So I think sometime in the future, I think it's still in the, still in there. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about that. Because I think we all go through things where we might say that we want to do something big and audacious and sometimes stuff happens and we can't do it or we can't do it right now. So how did you, 
like, how did you coach yourself through that? Or how did you talk yourself through that process? Like the day after you realized I can't, I can't actually do this thing that I wanted to do. Well, quite honestly, it was a heartbreak and I yeah. described it as a heartbreak. Um, I know like I told my family, I mean, even after I finished and I couldn't do it anymore, my dad actually took me on a ride through the mountains because he knows that's my thing. I love, I love mountains. And to me, that's like my favorite place to go and reflect. That's why I do ultra running, ultra runner. Um, but anyway, so I remember crying my ear. I, I, I had all these sponsors and I, I felt like I let everyone down. I ran for New York Road Runners Racing Fund for Children, uh, the running program that they have, which is now called Rising New York Road Runners, which is what I, who I coach for. But I felt like I failed, one, and two, that I let everyone down and I just I couldn't fix it. Whereas if I was running a marathon, it was just me and me, the only one person that was affected. But this time I felt mm-hmm. like it was a ton of people that I let down. So to me, that was a really big heartbreak. It took literally, I think, I don't know, maybe a few months before I could actually get myself to tie my shoelaces and go out and go on a run again. Um, of course the ankle still was an injury. So um, I didn't, I didn't race at all. I didn't run at all for a long time. I mean, even now I feel like it's still a little bit of a, a hard spot for me to talk about, but, um, but just knowing myself, I know that I can do it. And so I feel like I don't have that hunger to do it yet. Mm-hmm. I think that when I get it, I think I will go for it. I mean, I was, I really wanted to do it. So it's still a goal. It's still in the back of my head and I think I will get to it. But right now I, I'm just focused on coming back healthy and being my old self with running, balancing running and, and teaching at the same time. So I think, I mean, it's interesting. I I feel like when we say that we're going to do these really big things and we say it publicly, like we say it to other people, even if it's just to our family and it doesn't happen or we fall short of it, there's like a ton of shame and there's a ton of like sadness that's involved when it doesn't happen. But like, honestly, I think for other people hearing that it gives them the courage to say that they want to do big, scary things too. Like, because I don't know about you, but whenever I say things like I want to run a marathon or I want to qualify for Boston one day, there's always that little fear in the back of their head of like, well, what if I can't? Mm -hmm. It holds a lot of us back from actually saying that we want to do the thing. Um, And maybe you didn't run across, you know, the entire USA, but you ran like how many miles in total? Like how much did you actually complete? I don't even know. (laughs) Yeah, but whatever it was, it was. But you can say that I ran from Arizona to California, I mean, from California. which is pretty damn amazing when you like think about it. I don't know. I think that like young people need to hear about the like mishaps, the stumbles, our mini failures, our big failures, just as much as I need to hear about like how I crushed that marathon or how I did this amazing thing. Like, Well, I think you learn more when you don't do well, right? Because you yeah. just get to realize, oh, wait, I actually have a weak spot. <laughs> I didn't know I had and now I can try to figure out how do I work around that? Yeah, yeah. for sure. You can't hit everything out of the park. I like, I can tell already that you're like a crazy successful person, an amazing runner. And like, <laughs> it's, I don't know. I think it's good for us to have those kinds of hiccups because you're well, right. You will do it. Yeah. Well, in the classroom, you know, I always say 
I love mistakes. I love errors because I can't learn anything if you do everything right. Like if you, if, if the problem is solved correctly, what can I teach you? But when you make a mistake, that's when I'm like, oh, great. I know exactly where you're making your mistake. I understand what you're thinking, your error in thinking is. So I, I think in my classroom too, my kids know that I love, I love errors. I like mistakes yeah. and they do not feel like they are bad students because they make mistakes because I make them all the time. And they're, believe me, they're really, really fast in correcting me whenever I yeah. in front of them. So, I mean, and like the language of mistake is interesting because it kind of has like this feeling of like a, like a misstep, but like you set out to do like a really cool, big risky thing and it didn't work out, but it's like, we have to sometimes not let that work out. Like we have to sometimes, that's the inherent fun of a risk. Like we don't mm -hmm. know, like we don't know what will happen. And like, I, like I teach at an all girls school and sometimes I feel like it is really hard sometimes for girls to take big risks because, you know, I, I don't know what it is necessarily, but I feel like there's like sometimes an air of, well, I don't want to, I don't want to not be perfect or I don't want to appear like I don't have myself put together all the time. But I think like we have to show that to our students too, of like this thing I really wanted to do and it didn't work out for me and I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I'm still getting better because of it. Yeah. And I think for girls, I think many of us have been told, well, guys do it better or boys are so much better at this, you know? And I think that's another, another thing, type of thinking that I'm trying to erase as well in my classroom. Yeah. yeah. Have you girls. talked about the journey across the USA with your students? Did you ever share that process with them? When they Googled me, then <laughs> <laughs> I did, I talked to them about it. And, but I mean, you know, I feel like when they're nine years old, it's hard for them to really understand. I mean, even a understanding the concept of a mile versus a hundred miles to them, mm -hmm. it's, it's like not a, they're not able to really fully understand what that means. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, they think it's crazy that I would, I would try to run all the way from California to New York. Um, I mean, they've, asked, they've, the asked me. <laughs> they've asked me um, and I told them that sometimes you get hurt and you have to just stop just mm -hmm. to protect your body to be able to run later in the future. So um, I think they're at the point right now where competition is big, big. They, they want to, well, like, didn't you want to win? I'm like, well, there was really no winning. <laughs> I wasn't competing against anyone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but, but you're competing against yourself. You're like yeah, saying yeah. you're saying you're going to do this thing, and you will do it. And I can't wait to oh, to you. watch you along the way. Yeah. Um. So after you had said publicly that after your first year of teaching, you hated it and you would you know cry at the end of the day, um, but then after your second year, you loved it and you you couldn't imagine not doing it again. What made you go back after that first year of teaching, where it was so hard, so difficult, so out of your element? Well, the honest answer is because I was doing a program to New York teaching. <laughs> you could have dropped out of it, you know, like you sign up for a marathon, you can drop out. Like, Well, being the oldest child, I'm telling you, you're just competitive. And I think I also wanted to prove to myself that I could do something that was so hard. Yeah. Um, the first year, as you know, it's just, you don't know what you're doing. I'm lesson planning till midnight and then getting up and trying to teach kids. And I had a kid, a class who, uh, was a little bit crazy. <laughs> I think they give you like the hardest group so that you can prove yourself that you can actually do this job. But yeah, uh, but no, uh, it was it was a struggle the first year just because you don't know what you're doing. It's all new. It's not like 
I don't know what it was like before. Well, I don't know what it's like now, but before it's like go into the classroom and good luck. It's like you don't really get to be in the classroom prior to that in a real classroom setting um, and really see what to do when some, some problems come up. I mean, I don't remember anybody explaining to me what to do when the child decides to throw a shoe at another student, you know, those type of things that just come up and you're like, oh, well, what am I supposed to do? But um, so first year was a disaster, not a disaster. It was just really stressful. I cried through most of the first year. The second year is just like, it's like, I've been there, done that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I know what I'm doing now. Your lesson plans are not taking you forever anymore. So I feel like I have a life mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of just being a teacher the whole time and putting all that stress on yourself. But um, I mean, to be honest with the answer is that I was doing this program and I didn't want to stop. And I knew that I was going to give myself two years to live in New York and then probably go back. Cause I was actually on the track of going into medical school and I wanted to just take a break from it. So I thought living in New York sounds amazing. And Oh, right. I'm going to go ahead and teach because then that will help me. Maybe later I'll become a teacher, but it wasn't, it wasn't actually a thing that I was going for. That was not my goal at all. My end goal was finish the program be my two years at school in New York city and then move back West and go to medical school somewhere. But I fell in love with the kids. I mean, if you've ever get a chance to go to the Bronx, those kids are just, I mean, I, I just love them. And I, I know how needy they are with the love from a parent and it just, I don't know. It just made me feel like I was making a difference. And I think that we as humans, yearn for that you know how can I make a difference where it becomes something that I I want to keep um I mean there's so many memories that I mean I I go back and I was like yeah that was hard but you know what this one moment made it so it wasn't hard at all like Mm -hmm. it it erases everything you know so uh so that's it that's basically it it's just the kids were won my heart I think so I I love that so much. And I, I think a lot of teachers can probably relate to that. And I think a lot of runners can relate to that too. Like just yeah. that idea of you probably have a really high tolerance for discomfort. And I think, you know, going through that first year of anywhere, wherever you're teaching, you have to yeah. have like build up your resilience towards discomfort. Like it's yeah really hard. There's a lot of crying. There's a lot of late nights, a lot of <laughs> shoes flying. It's yeah. It's an emotional journey for sure. Yes. So we're going to do our ticket out the door, but I have one more question for you uh, before we get into that. I want you just to articulate what are some of your goals that you have for yourself as a teacher and what are some of the goals that you have for yourself as a runner? You're just coming off of an injury right now. You're gearing up for New York City Marathon, but what are you looking forward to yourself doing as a teacher and as a runner? Um, Okay, so this year I'm changing grades, which is super exciting because as you know as a teacher you can be the person that kind of gets caught up in the routine of things but I think going to second grade and teaching the little little ones is going to bring me back into being a completely different teacher because you have to be I mean those kids are more needy than a fourth grader Um, so I think as a teacher this year I hope that I can create lessons that will engage them but also I think the last year I kind of struggled with the communication with parents wasn't as great. So maybe making sure that the parents really know what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I did okay, but I feel like it could have done better. Um, 
and uh, just kind of making sure that my lessons actually go to the level that they need to be because right now I'm, I'm going to be like, you should be able to do this, but <laughs> early yeah. have learned how to read and are just getting there. So hoping that I build enough confidence in those kids that they can move on to the third grade, knowing that they can do whatever they, they put their mind to. So yeah. that's as a teacher, I think as a runner, I, my goal is to get back on the podium and be competitive again. I hunger for that. I really want to be up there. I just, was reading some news feeds from some friends from Colorado and they're all like winning all these races. And of course, like, I know I can be up there. I, I, I can compete with them and I can be with them as well, but it hasn't been that way for the next last two months or so. I've just been kind of building strength to even keep up and run eight miles mm-hmm. and not feel like I'm going to fall apart, you know, but um, I know the patience does everything. So I, uh, I'm slowly building my mileage to race in October and November and I have a 50 miler 100 miler in mind so hopefully mm-hmm. I'll get there um, and maybe attempt <clears throat> the ultra running grand slam one more time so mm-hmm. that's, that's in the really exciting and yeah. what's the 50 miler what's the 100 miler that you're looking towards um well 50 miler is I can do whichever one but I'm hoping to do Havelina 100 mm-hmm. which is in Arizona I mean my family lives there and it's always fun to have them be involved um so my parents and my siblings all my siblings live in Arizona so it'd be fun to have them come out and be a part of that as well so um yeah so that will give me an entry to attempt to get into western states and then if I get a ticket then hopefully I get in and next year I'll be doing four 100 milers again. So love it. I'll be cheering for you all the way up in Canada. I'm really excited to see that journey. Yeah. Uh, So the ticket out the door is just a series of rapid fire questions. It's like the final piece of something you collect from your students before they go off into the world. Um, They're just random questions. We try to do them as fast as possible and it just lets people get to know you on a different level. Okay. Uh, So you're ready. Are you set? Yes. Okay. What is your favorite book to read to students out loud? I love James and the Giant Peach. Mm, yes. One of my favorites. What's the best gift you ever received as a teacher? Oh my gosh, a hug. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get chocolate all the time. So I love dark chocolate and my kids know that from the very beginning. So it's just, I had a kid give me a boat with a tiny bit of dark chocolate inside of it and he's like this is for you it was just so cute yeah that's adorable uh where is your favorite place in new york city to run uh i love central park Mm -hmm. that's that's just it i mean i've I've lived in queens and running over the bridge and all that it's good but there's so many traffic lights and i can't i don't like traffic lights where i have to stop but yeah central park amazing uh if you weren't a teacher you would be what a doctor yeah pediatrician yeah What's the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning? Um, I get up and I check the weather. I check the weather. What's the run. first thing you do when you come home at the end of the day? Oh, I, I, I lie down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's your favorite school safe snack? Um, carrots. Oh, that's cute. I was hoping you'd say dark chocolate, but that's awesome. (laughs) And the final question, and this is a biggie, so you can think it through. What do you think is the future of learning? What do I think is the future of learning? Um, I think 
anything that has to do with um, technology, just being able to use it properly. Um, and just, um, there are so many things that you can do with it. I have iPads in my classroom and we use them all the time and just hopefully that they will be able to uh, implement it a little bit more. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing a little bit of your journey with us today, Kayla. It was so yeah. good to have you on. Yeah, thank you. A big thank you to Kayla for taking the time to talk about her path and practice. Personally, what I took out of this conversation is that if we're going to be highly effective teachers, we have to take time to do the things we love. That might be running, but it might also be writing, gardening, cycling, spending time in the trees, whatever helps you hit your reset button so you can be fully present with your students. And when we have big, juicy goals to work towards that we declare publicly, like writing your first book or running a marathon or you know, running across a country, it can help teachers leave their marking for the next day and practice self-care. If you know of a teacher who also runs, please share this episode with them or better yet, connect me with them on Instagram. Who knows, they might just be a future guest on our show. That's all the time we have for today, folks. Let's go run the world. And remember, we are teaching tomorrow.